Welcome to Inspirational Australians, where we share stories of Australians making a difference in their communities and in the lives of others. We at Inspirational Australians acknowledge the Wurundjeri and Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waterways on which this podcast is produced. We pay our respect to elders past and present and those who are emerging and extend our respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. At Inspirational Australians, we are inspired by the world's oldest living culture and pay homage to their rich storytelling history when we share stories on our podcast. Joining me today for this week's episode of the Inspirational Australians podcast is Isabella Jua, who is 16 from Bernie in Tasmania. Isabella is determined to try and help everyone around her. Isabella received her black belt in karate at the age of 14 and went through an instructor's course and is now a certified karate instructor. Isabella teaches self-defense for free to kids and adults who have been bullied. She also helps run empowerment programs and is even a carer at home. Isabella, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well, thank you. That's good. And you were letting me know that you'd uh, just finished, or today is your last day of school holidays. Is that right? It sure is. I start tomorrow, so trying to get up nice and early. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, got to get back into the routine. I hope. I really hope. (laughs) Well, I can truly empathise with you, even though, I'm no longer in school, obviously, by a long shot, but my kids are in primary school. And so we went on a big holiday recently. And uh, on the way back, you know, even just from the parents' point of view of little kids, you know, you get them organized, uh, getting waking up early, as you said, kind of getting everything ready. Um, so, what grade are you doing this year? So, I'm in year 11. Um, so, it's my second last year of school. Yeah, lovely. And where were you on holidays? So, I was on holidays in Melbourne recently. So, I got to fly up there for about a week. Now, is Melbourne, that's where I am as well. So was it any warmer than what you have there in Burnie or is it about the same? No, it's heaps warmer. When I left, it was like, yeah, it was two degrees when I left. And when I landed, it was like 15. So by a long shot, it was nice and warm. (laughs) That's, yeah, that's that's pretty cold then back home. It's super cold. Um, We get the occasional snow down here. So it's it's beautiful Tassie, that's for sure. (laughs) There you go. Well, Isabella, as I said, thanks for joining us. You know, we uh, had the chance to meet you. I didn't personally. I wasn't able to go there. But for the Tasmanian Young Achieve Rewards uh, back in, that would have been May this year. So does that seem like ages ago for you or can you remember it clearly? What was the awards night experience like for you, Isabella? Honestly, it it only feels like last week to me. Um, so we started off with like the day of the awards and we had to travel five hours. So we hopped in the car and thankfully I'm on my L's. So I got some hours up anyway. Nice. Um, and we were staying in house, which was really good at where the awards was hosted. So I had about an hour before we had the mad rush and having Sarah go down there. And we had four people in one hotel room. So I called dibs in the bathroom is all I remember. <laughs> yeah. Good call. Good call. <laughs> Wow. But so no, yes, that's, honestly... oh, sorry. I was just <laughs> yeah. saying that's the trip from Bernie to Hobart is um five hours. I didn't realize that in my head. I thought it was only like two or three hours. Yeah, I like an average speed. You can get there in 
four hours, but because I can only do 90 on the road, took us that extra hour plus roadworks. The old L-plate rules. So there you go. Well, good job on calling dibs in the bathroom. Uh, You got there. You made it all on time. And Mm -hmm. what was it like when, you know, because obviously for those who don't know, with the Young Achiever Awards, each finalist is uh, called up on stage and presented one at a time. And there's a video that talks about their achievements and things like that. And what I read out earlier is very similar to probably what was read out at the awards night. So you kind of been up on stage once and then you go back and, you know, the uh, Spirit Super representative would have been Nini Lyons there. She is announcing the winner. What went through your head when you heard your name called out? I honestly, I did that thing where you see in movies, you know, like, that's so silly to do. I looked around me being like, who is she? And then I was like, wait, <laughs> wait, wait, that's my name. <laughs> so everyone like around me too, they're like, go up, go up. And me being me in high heels, uncoordinated, almost fell on the stairs, but I made it up there and I got a beautiful photo. Um, and there was this little girl giving out the trophy as well. So she was really sweet. Um, but I was really lucky. to I was the only one that had that rehearsal because my name was the first to be called out of all the categories so I had that little pre-rehearsal with the sponsor already so I got a little bit familiar with her so I had about three times on stage which was super cool um each time those stairs though definitely hold the rail going up them (laughs) good advice for anyone uh attending these awards later in, in the track yeah that's funny that's you mentioned that so we always do a rehearsal and we use the first award that's going to be announced on the night as the rehearsal and uh yeah it was obviously the spirit super connecting communities award and then you were up there for the rehearsal up again as a finalist that's funny i didn't hadn't thought about that that you'd be up there so many times so you mastered it by the end yes i almost slipped on the way down but we got there we really did (laughs) as i said i wasn't able to be there i love going to the awards uh ceremonies around the country and one thing i'm always interested in is were you prepared with a speech even though you didn't think you were going to win you weren't (laughs) absolutely not so what <laughs> I did you did make yeah what did you do uh, I made like a little sticky note just with like the keynotes of thanking the sponsor and then I was like all right well I don't really have anywhere to put it so I left it on my table being the smart cookie I am um so going up there I was really lucky because I'm not really great with uh big crowds and talking to people so thankfully the spotlight only showed like two faces in the audience and the rest were all like little floating heads that you just couldn't see. Um, and I was able to actually see my mum and I instantly knew that without her support along the way and without her just being there for me, I really wouldn't have been here where I am today. So I instantly after I wanted to thank my sponsor, I just wanted to give my mum a really big shout out because it's the bare minimum I can do for her. But she really has helped me everywhere I've been. No, that's awesome. Tell me a bit about, you know, your mum and I guess your kind of upbringing Um, because you've got such an interesting life. I was reading your nomination before we started and you've done so much this age. Does that kind of desire to to help people come from your mum? Absolutely it does. So from a young age, um, I am very multicultural. So my mum's Indian, dad's Australian. And from a young age, she's always taught us kids to not let our colour or our looks define us and that was really good to have as like that mould because from a young age there was always bullying going around. I wasn't dark enough to be part of like the Indian uh, community here and I wasn't white enough to 
be part of the Australian community up here. So I was, I wasn't an outcast, but I didn't fit in wherever I went. And I, I moved around schools a little bit growing up. So it was really good to have that talk with my mom about what happens if I'm getting, you know, talked about because of my skin color or something. And she said, don't let that define you. Don't let that bring you down, but use it to bring you up. And all my life, I've always done that, trying to see the positives in people and the positive things in life. Um, so she also got me into a lot of volunteer work when I was younger and martial arts. That's how I started my karate journey at the age of four. Um, yeah, really? My mom. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, nice one. So do you kind of remember starting in karate? Like about four, it's one of those ages where, oh, you do? Because I was going to say, give me that age where you're like, kind of just starting to you know be able to remember things when you look back but you do remember it yeah so I do I was about four turning five so I was in that little um patch where I could remember just like little things but not too much but we actually lived in Hobart at the time and there was a little club opposite my school so after school mum and I would go there and she'd take my sister with us and we always had five things that we had to do so we had to learn how to play an instrument um, a free choice, a martial arts, and I've forgotten the other two. Obviously, it was not important to me. Not as important. Um, <laughs> no, but karate was always something that I was interested in. So I did other martial arts as well. And then when we moved up to Bernie, um, there was the same club up here as well. So I developed a really good friendship. Um, my mum did with the instructor. And ever since then, we've got like another family throughout the karate club. Oh, awesome. And so was your sister, you mentioned, was that she older or younger? Older sister. So I'm the second youngest. My younger brother is a little baby, but yeah. he's a pain so, in the butt. So. <laughs> and karate will come in handy, you know, for older sister. you got to defend yourself against her sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. When the tickle monster used to come out, there was definitely some running and kicking. So. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So I guess, you know, what was it that, that did stick out for you um, about karate that made you really love it? I really like the discipline side of it. Um, so it taught me how to be really grounded and mindful around me, as well as obviously that self-defense and just that remembering. There's a thing called kata, which is patterns, and you have to remember it. And you start off with like the first one, and I think there's about 12 before you get to your black belt, and you have to remember all of that. And I really liked that there was a lot of repetition. There wasn't something you'd go and you'd learn something new, but you weren't uncomfortable doing it. You were, you felt comfortable trying to learn new things. And I really liked that. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and so obviously you've got your black belt and you had that by the age of 14, so a few years ago. Now, excuse me if this is rude. I don't know. I'm not into karate, so I don't understand. Is it something for the black belt that, you know, if you've been doing it for, say, 10 years from 4 to 14, that you'll just attain your black belt? Or is it something that um, not everyone can get? So not everyone can get it. You have to roughly, like, the minimum years you can do is about five years if you train every single day to get your black belt. For me, I only trained two to three times a week. And even then, it was a big struggle. I had my ups and downs. I threw tantrums. Um, I was super young where sometimes I was like, what's the point in even doing this? Like, do I really have to? And it all came back to looking at my goals. And once I achieved that, I was like, I can actually climb this mountain and get up there. 
and now I can actually go further and that's what I've been doing and I, I looked around me and I thought why not start to do something for myself as well and that that I've actually achieved this and that's where the um empowerment programs started taking place yeah so the empowerment programs are they through the karate club um no so they're a bit separately so I have permission to teach the same kind of styles but because um so my mom's actually on the martial arts council here in Tasmania so she's the one that started this and then I um I help her but I also run like a kind of separate one as well so we have uh, she gets together eight different martial artists and we all get together um, and we all teach self-defense and people just come. I think last time we had about 300 people that came and you Whoa. just learn. Yeah, you learn all these different types of martial arts and it gives you really good skills. And then if you want to continue it, I, I try and run like a class once a week for free just to get some self-defense in there. Um, so obviously I teach karate through the club, but as well as my own little uh, self-defense running <laughs> class. Yeah. So that's pretty amazing that you do that for free. Like, how does that even work? How are you able to provide free lessons? Because you must have your own costs or, or things like that. Absolutely, we do. So we actually do the Bunnings barbecues. So we oh. go under the sports empowerment program. Yeah. So my mum... Oh, when we were younger, mum used to drag us to them, and I was like, "Mum, I don't want to do it. Like, I have to get up early. Yeah. I have to stand here. I don't, I don't want to." And then I actually realised what it's for, and I was like, "Fine, I guess I'll get out of bed for this." I think that started about five or six years ago, and from there, um, sometimes my sister and I would do it, or it would just be mum and me. Now, after COVID, we've had a few rule changes where you have to have three people at all times. Mm. So we get like one of the students who we actually pay for their classes. So through this money, we pay um, for their classes for like the club, as well as being able to run the uh, empowerment programs and self-defense programs. So this is why I never feel bad about eating bunning sausages, (laughs) even if I've had lunch. Exactly. Because it's it's going to such good causes. They really are. And everyone who does it are really amazing people. Um, and it's a little guilt-free snack when you get it. So. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever get a chance to, like, to chat with people when they're um, ordering? Because I, I imagine Absolutely. a lot of the time people would, you know, just kind of buy the sausage and walk off. But some people might be asking about, you know, what is is your group? Yeah. So we have a little, um, like, a blackboard that's out the front. And a lot of people come over and they question, like, don't question it, but they ask questions about it. And it's, um, so what is the empowerment program or what is the sports program? And a lot of the time they think it's like footy or soccer or mm. basketball, but I'm actually like, no, it's martial arts. And from there I explain what we do and you guys start to hear other people's stories and they really open up about like their stories of being bullied or how they did martial arts when they were younger. A few times I met some retired military people and they, um, they decided to open up about their journey, which was really amazing. And it's, might be five minutes but it's that five minutes of talking that sticks with you Mm, for sure and for them it would be the same like likewise um that'd go away getting a lot from that conversation too i imagine i really hope so um we've had a few people from there come to the open days or have heard about it so yeah wow that's cool yeah a little community up here was super great when we had to print out flyers and stuff and it actually printed out for free at harvey norman um so I went and thanked the uh, person that did it for us and I was like, 
that's really amazing. Are you going to get in trouble? He goes, no, I am like the big boss here. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. So, you know, it sounds like you're volunteering quite a lot. You're doing these empowerment programs. You're um, teaching at your own club. You know, obviously Bunnings, the only sold sausages on the weekend. So you're giving up your weekend as well. What is it that kind of is driving you to, to give up all that time? for these kind of, you know, obviously really good causes, but uh, still giving up your time for it. Yeah, to begin with, it was honestly, um, it was a little bit difficult to do it all because obviously I've got family stuff and home life. I also have a part-time job, so it was a bit hard to manage all of it. But I sat down and I reflected, it was actually with mum, and I said, without all the people around me to support me through my bullying journey, through my eating disorders, and through like me missing school, I lo- missed a lot of school. Without that love and support around me, I honestly would be so lost in what I'm doing. And I would just really hope to help someone who might be going through similar things or just need to learn something or just need an outlet for them. I, I want to be that safe like spot for people. Yeah, so that's really, so, you know, this is the Inspiration of Strains podcast, but it is really inspiring to kind of, have that kind of attitude towards something because especially when you face such difficult times, um, you know, people sometimes say like they suffered from bullying, but sometimes the suffering doesn't end. Are you, you know, are you still facing that um, daily or is it, yeah? It's definitely, um, yeah, it's toned down a lot. I actually, uh, I've only recently been in recovery this year for eating disorders, which I've had for many years. And the bullying side of things, high school, is it's a it's a struggle um and i think everyone's experienced that but everyone has been taught to you know just push through it get through it you know it's not going to last forever but it really feels like it's going to last forever and when you're in that environment five days a week it's it's not something that is easy to do um so for a while it was very difficult now if it happens i'm just kind of like i can stand up for myself I can actually speak up about it or talk back to them because half the time bullies just want some sort of reaction out of it and don't remember it after. So, Yes, the the frustrating part of it, isn't it, that the person doing the bullying, to them, they just aren't thinking about it afterwards, but it stays with you and, and it can affect you for a long time, the, the victim of it. It really does. It was um something that a really good influencer around me said, that Velcro sticks, but silicon slides. And we always seem to let the negative stick with us, but the good things slide away. So I started to change my mindset after hearing that to let the positive things stick with me and the negative negative things slide away. Hmm, that's very wise, that person. Yes. <laughs> I haven't heard that one, actually. So that's, yeah. Neither have I until um, this year. So it was a good time to hear it as well. I was going through a fair bit then. Yeah. Now, it also shows that um, you're obviously a very kind person yourself because being a karate black belt, I mean, you could totally kick their butt, but you obviously choose not to do that. Look, there's been one time where I, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we won't go down that path, but yes. <laughs> I bet that's a good story, maybe for uh, another time. Definitely, um, definitely. <laughs> so I understand as well that you've competed, you know, not, not just um doing through your karate courses and, and obviously uh, teaching the little ones and, and adults, but you've actually competed at a really high level as well. Absolutely. Um, 
So I think I started competing maybe when I was seven. And I used to, I always got silver. And I remember this because there was this one girl from Hobart and she and I would always compete for the gold. And I started to work even harder and harder just, just to be very competitive and win that gold medal from her. So I eventually did. And I realized that I'm actually pretty decent at what I'm doing. So I made it to the state finals and I got gold. I made it to nationals. and I think I got silver from there. And then I made it to the World Karate Cup, which was held in Gold Coast in, I think, 2017. And I came fourth in my division. So there was there was quite a lot in there as well. Um, I think nearly 100 in that division. Wow. So it was, yeah, it was a full day of um, kata and kumite, which is uh, fighting, which is a kumite, and kata is at patterns. Yep. So I came fourth in the fighting aspect, and I think I came fifth in the kata. So it was very close to getting that bronze medal. I was half a point away. So, yeah, <laughs> but Small it was margins. super cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And so for you, do you think that, you know, competing at that kind of level is something that you'd like to continue or or keep doing or have you got other priorities at the moment? No, continue to compete everywhere across the world. Different karate styles get together and compete. So that's something I want to do as well. For sure. That's awesome. And so, you know, there's a lot happening. You're obviously in year 11, as we said at the top of the uh, episode, and you've got the karate going on. You know, how do you find, I mean, we touched on this a little bit before, but how do you find that juggling, that balance to, to kind of keep all those balls up in the air? It honestly, it took a lot of time management where I actually had to work out a schedule. A lot of the time I don't really do homework at home. I try and get it all done at school. So if I have like a double period of biology, for example, I will get all of my work done there and then instead of having to go home and finishing it up. So I spend, I try and spend about an hour a day after school just to revise over the content or finish up something if I have to. But a lot of the um, other time I'm either training, working or just having some free time or home stuff going on. So it was a lot of scheduling it all in. Yeah. One thing we haven't really touched on yet is um, your caring as well. That must take up a fair bit of time. Definitely. Um, so I care for my mom and my younger sibling. Um, they both have a few things going on. Mum's is a bit more uh, time required. Uh, she's got a brain infection, so a lot of my time is spent either being with her when she needs me or just making doctor's appointments, things like that. But I've been really, really fortunate, and I can talk about it. Um, Minister Nick Street made a new council, uh, Carers Advisory Council, and I am the youngest member on there. That happened this year, and I was really, really amazed to be actually on that board and with so many other people. So I was able to talk about it, obviously, after the media release. Um, but he's honestly a really nice person from what I've met, and everyone on that team is really beautiful. So Yeah, so I was aware of that, and I had it on my notes, uh, so I'm wow. glad that you brought it up. Um, tell me a bit about how it came about and you know what's it like being on an advisory council and i've kind of got a bit of a follow-up question but i'll let you go first okay honestly i <laughs> so everyone on that board they had a written uh kind of interview so they had to like write it down and then it was just submitted in i think by email or something 
Mine was a little bit different where I got a phone call um, from the CEO himself and said, hey, would you mind having a Zoom meeting with us? We um we just want to interview you for something, but you don't have to. And I was like, oh, yeah, that seems cool. I'll do it. Me being me making jokes all the time, not realizing that Minister Nick Strake was on this. I didn't really know who he was. Oh, I didn't wow. know that the CEO of uh, Mental Health Family and Friends was there, as well as uh, uh, the CEO from Carers Tasmania. So there were some very big people on there, but they seemed to enjoy my jokes. Uh, nice, <laughs> so nice. I got um yeah, I got an email back. I think two weeks later, it was like you've been accepted onto this board, and I was like, Mom, I don't know what I've done, but I think it's cool. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, uh, that's brilliant. That was <laughs> that was kind of my uh story of getting into it and we had our first meeting and it was really good and they're so sweet they actually um, paid for my accommodation down there because I went in person yeah fantastic that's awesome and so you know with these councils and committees and things like that obviously a lot of people with a lot of um suggestions and opinions how did you find it being the youngest person there as you said um and were you able to get some of your you know feedback across I really was. They were um, really understanding and sweet when it came to kind of my turn to share about my story and things that I want to help with me. I really want to make a difference with the education system. I was I wasn't treated to a hundred percent with them, where they were giving me kind of the bare minimum at school in order to help me at home, and I needed a lot more support with that. And a lot of the time I got shut down from it being like, oh, you're kind of a child. You don't really know what you're talking about. And I was like, no, I have a voice. It can be heard. I think my exact words were age doesn't define a caring role. And that's what really stood out to them where our oldest member, I don't actually know how old she is, but she's kind of up there in the scale and I'm really low on like the age ranking. Yeah, (laughs) Um, That's a very polite way of of putting it, by the way. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I I definitely spoke up and I was like, I'm not going to be quiet. And if I have something to say, I will say it because I really want to help others around me, especially if they're in the same situation I'm in or if they're in a similar situation. Um, And they all they all listen really well and they've taken in some of my advice and feedback to things, which is amazing. That's fantastic. Um, I've been interviewing a few of the Spirit Super Connecting Communities Awards winners these last few weeks, um, you know, because they're sponsoring the the podcast at the moment, which is fantastic. And I'm seeing this amazing theme emerging that I'm just so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not proud of it because I've done anything. I'm just proud to hear from people like yourself uh, that, and I asked that question about the council, you know, the committee, were you able to get your, your ideas across for this reason? So the thing that's emerging is that we're now starting to, as a, a, you know, a culture Australia and it's that political kind of um, interest is actually starting a little bit. I know it's only a little bit, but to hear and ask young people for their opinions, to listen to the feedback. And I hope this is where the next step takes in is to actually take that on board like they're doing with you. Definitely. Um, I think for me especially, I'm a bit, I've always kind of grown up from a young age. Um, my hearing role started fairly young. Um, and that was the first thing that they said was a lot of the time, especially coming from kind of the northwest coast of Tassie, people lose sight of where they're going. They lose their track that they want to be on. And for me, I've always tried to refocus back in on it. And 
I think that's what kind of stood out to them that I'm a young person, but I've also never been afraid to speak up about things. And I think all young people, if they have something to say, they should be saying it because if we want to make a change in the world, you have to listen to everyone's ideas and try to put things into perspective. Yeah, so true, so true. This episode is brought to you by Spirit Super, the super fund for hard-working Australians. Let's be honest, most of us don't pay enough attention to our super. It's either too hard, too confusing, or we simply don't know what super is. But that's okay. Spirit Super makes learning about and looking after your super super easy. With a focus on strong returns, an award-winning service, and super experts offering practical and helpful advice, Spirit Super is here for you and your super. For more info, go to spiritsuper.com.au. Consider the PDS and TMD at spiritsuper.com.au slash PDS before making a decision. Ishura is Motor Trade Association of Australia Superannuation Fund PDY LTD. Advice is provided by Quadrant First PDY LTD. Past performance isn't a reliable indicator of future performance. Well, yeah, lots of exciting stuff going on yeah. for you. <laughs> Isabella um yeah I can't believe it so with the uh and tell me if you want to move on to a different topic but I'm uh, just finding it so interesting with the the caring role that you do what kind of support is available if there's other people listening who are are thinking you know I've got a family member you know with illness or disability and actually I am a carer too because I think one thing that goes under the radar is people don't realize what makes a carer um and, and there's so many carers out there uh, who are just not realizing that what they're doing is super important. What kind of support, you know, have you been able to get access to? And I suppose, do you have any tips for other people who are identifying with you? So I think the first thing I actually did, I'm going to give a little bit of a backstory here. Um, it was actually speaking up about it. So I spoke to Carers Tasmania here and the Carer Gateway. Um, so through that, I was able to access support like counselling so I actually see a psychologist every two weeks to help me um, go up with what's going on at home. But I was also able to, I um, recently got a laptop to help me with my studies. Um, I can access things like I got to be on a podcast through Kara Gateway. So I was fortunate enough to meet Peter G. He came up to my house and we did a podcast together. But also all of those like um, obviously visible things, but it was the emotional aspect too, where they were able to help me um, know how to book doctor's appointments. They were able to help me in my caring position by giving advice and um, things that might be able to help me do. So it was a lot of speaking up about it, which was really intimidating at first. It was mm. super scary. Um, and I've been actually talking to Minister Nick Street about it, which was when you're at such a young age, you always get worried, especially being a carer for your parent you're scared that your parent's going to be taken away with you taken yeah. away from you sorry um and that that's scary and that's what I thought might happen and it was actually no I just need extra support around me and that's where I learned you know there's very fine lines if I can reach out and talk about this and get support without being ashamed about it so yeah that was that was definitely something it took a lot from me to do <laughs> yeah I think that's a good advice you know is yeah is that uh, so if support's there then you shouldn't feel ashamed to access it it's not um it's not a bad thing to ask for help it's a it's a hugely positive thing definitely and even if you don't think like you're in a caring role 
I'd still reach out and try and get that support if you if you're reading through and you're like, look, I actually fit into these categories, go for it and try and get help. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So as we come into the uh, back end of the year now, obviously you're in year 11, so things like exams are, are going to start coming up and, and stuff like that. Have, um, do you have to kind of uh, take a, a back seat with some of your, you know, volunteering and things like that so you can focus on on school? Definitely. So I um, only finished my mid-year exams two weeks ago. So during that, I actually had to stop training just to focus um, on obviously my schoolwork. But I also, I had to um, only work, I only work really one day a week, but it's a full Saturday from eight till five. Um, so I had to like cut down my hours for working and it was a lot of time to uh, look at the subject that I'm doing. And I, I get really frustrated easily when it comes to schoolwork. Um, sometimes I throw a book across the room, other times <laughs> it's a calculator. Yeah. So it was a lot of, I need to sit down, I need to actually read through. <laughs> yeah. Um, and a lot of that was kind of reaching out to tutors as well, just to help me with a subject if I didn't know. Um, so that's kind of been me recently. And then I do it all again in a month's time. So Yeah. Well, what's happening in a, a month? Have you got more uh, that's, exams? Yeah, that's the end of your exams. So those are the big ones for HR schools. Luckily, yeah. um, I only have two exams, which is physical sciences and biology. Um but it's still kind of heavy subjects where you have to know all the content and really uh, study it well. Yep. And you mentioned before that, you know, you're still in recovery for some of the eating disorders and things that you've faced. Is that impacting as well? Like your ability to, um, you know, focus in and, and kind of, because exams, I, I remember, you know, casting my mind back, I found them physically quite exhausting. Definitely. Um, I think the best advice I got was recovery isn't linear where obviously it's not going to be a straight path if you start to get good eating habits again or if you're actually like, obviously um sometimes I would have like a fear food where I was afraid to actually eat something or I'm really um I still am I'm uncomfortable eating around people so even in my own friend group I get a little bit awkward and it's annoying to have to feel really tired and going to a class because you just haven't eaten and it's um it's a bit difficult to have to be able to kind of overcome that fear because I need to focus on my future. Um, so that's something I definitely was talking to a psychologist about and just finding pathways to be able to overcome that obstacle and get onto a different path to be able to focus on my career in the future. Yeah, that's rough. Um, so speaking of your career, what, is it something that you have in mind already or are you kind of keeping your options open? Um, I actually want to work in palliative care. So I'm looking at being a doctor in it, but first to become a nurse in palliative care. Um, I think from the age of eight, I I watched one of the ladies at the hospital, my um, friend at the time, his dad unfortunately passed away, but we'd go and visit him together. And being part of an Indian community, it was really sweet where we'd all get together and we'd all support everyone. And I watched how beautiful the nurses and doctors were there. And I said to my mom, I said, I want to be able to help someone, especially through that really hard time of their journey. If they don't have someone caring and compassionate with them, it's, I just, I feel sad and mm. I want to be able to help someone, even if 
you know, it's that little bit of support and kindness towards the end, it can make a difference. Yeah, it's such a important, but also, like for me, I think it's a super unappreciated role sometimes. So uh, my nan is in palliative care. Uh, sorry, I shouldn't lie. She's in um, aged care, but, you know, we've had the conversation with the family that, you know, she we just can see that eventually she will be need to be moved to palliative care. It's just kind of the trajectory. And, yeah, you just hope that someone that is really caring and 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 passionate and empathetic is is there. And so I think people, their loved ones will be in good hands with you, I can tell. Thank you. One question I, I do have, I don't have many set questions, but I do have one because Spirit Super has asked me to, to um, has passed this question on to me. And we've kind of, we've discussed it a little bit in, in a roundabout way already, but I think it's good just to um, ask it straight out because uh, I'm interested to see what you will say about it with how well-spoken you are. And, you know, you can answer this from any um, aspect that you like, but do you think that being young helps or hinders when it comes to making change? I think it helps, to be honest. Um, obviously, every young person is different and everyone has their own story to tell. But without hearing the voices of young people around you, you wouldn't be able to really help everyone. You'd be able to help a specific target audience. And those younger days are probably one of the hardest things that anyone can go through. Um you're learning new things, you're learning obstacles, you have so much resilience that you don't even know that you have because you're so you're so perseverant. You're you're wanting to strive and do better even though you've been pushed down a million times. And through that you are able to speak up and you'll be able to share your own ideas without even realizing that you're doing it. So I definitely think it can go both ways. Um but it swings more way to the helping. Yeah, it's a tough, It's you could answer it, you know, in so many different ways. But again, you've shown that you really do, uh, do live your your own advice when you were saying you wanted to focus on the positives, let the positive things stick. Because the way you answered that question was such a, in a positive way. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, there are definitely a few people around here that I want to give a good slap. But we can't do that. Um, so we just got to look on the bright side of things. For sure. Um, yeah, I like that uh, every now and then you, I can tell you got a bit of an angry side. Sometimes. I'm sure it comes in handy when you're competing in karate, that's for sure. Oh, definitely, definitely. My punching bag and I have a healthy disagreement to each other. So it works well. That's fantastic. Isabella, we've got to wrap up in a sec, but, you know, obviously you're appearing on the Inspirational Australians podcast, and I found you to be incredibly inspirational, just the way that you focus on the positives, the way that you um, are sharing your story, and you're not, I suppose, afraid to hide some of the imperfections in life, that everyone has imperfections, and you're using them to really um, help you, you know, to drive you to helping other people, which I find uh, incredibly inspirational. But what is it that inspires you? And you can answer that on a day-to-day basis, you know, longer term. But, yeah, I'm interested to know that. My family. Um, we Mum was really lucky to come out here from Singapore on a scholarship. And I've seen the amazing things she's done. And my older sister has been through things that 
I couldn't even imagine. And here she is studying to become a pilot. Um, my older brother was in the army and he's a paramedic now. My dad's a lawyer and he's got his own story to tell. And I've heard everyone's stories and I've seen the way they are. Sometimes I want to slap them, don't get me wrong. Um, but it's them that make me feel better every time I'm sad and they're the ones that are here to pick me up and I fall down. So half the time I want to do it for them and half the time I want to do it for me to prove to myself that I can do it. Brilliant. So as I said, you faced you know a lot of obstacles yourself um, and obviously an award win doesn't make any of that better. It doesn't take away any of the pain and the suffering and the hard times you've faced. But, you know, winning the Spirit Super uh, Award, the Connected Communities Award, did it at least, you know, provide some validation that the path that you're on is the correct one? Definitely did. Um, it's a bit of a funny night because I won and I felt so amazing. And then I started to feel a bit downhill because I got sick that night. Um, so. Oh. It was like the sickest I've kind of been for a few years now. So it was really amazing to meet everyone around me and they were so inspirational and they were so, um, they were living life to the fullest and I appreciated all the kind words. And I was like, I'm getting sick. I'm going to be in bed. Mom's like, no, 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 you're going to be fine. I was like, I don't feel well. But it was, it definitely validated me a lot. Um, for a while, I didn't really get any recognition of what I was doing everything felt like an effort to me um I just lost all my goals I lost that motivation to do anything and winning that award just made me feel 10 times more incredible to myself being like hey you got through that dark patch and you deserve this you really do um so it was awesome <laughs> that's awesome to hear. I'm not so awesome that you were that sick and unwell but it was an interesting time that's for sure <laughs> And it is a tough one when you, you kind of like you feel obliged sometimes. I know what you mean, like where you go, oh, I've got to kind of see this event out or whatever it is. People are going to think I'm rude, but I literally can't stay. Yeah. I remember one of the judges came up to congratulate me after the night and I was crying to my mom being like, I just want to be in bed. And then I turned around and wiped my tears away. And I was like, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. But no, it was amazing. Well, hopefully you were able to recover from that fairly well. Did you stay on in Hobart for the weekend? Um, yeah, so I stayed on, I think we went to like the markets on Saturday and we drove back the Sunday. Um, and then Monday I actually had the advocate coming over to take photos and interview me. And I told them, I was like, look, I'm really sick. I'm on cold and flu meds. I don't think I'm in the right frame of mind. And they were like, no, you're going to be fine. So awkwardly there at the beach with like three jackets on in my karate uniform. <laughs> I know, I've seen the photo. Yes, it was so I see the photo there. of you in, in the um oh because what do you I'm going mental blank I just I think I know what's it called the karate like the gear uh the gi gi yeah the and you got gi, the trophy yeah. yeah the that's there you go you'd know it would have known how unwell was, you were I really hope I covered it up well so <laughs> <laughs> yeah you did a good job um well Isabella I'm super like uh excited to follow your uh journey and your career. And obviously you've got big things ahead this year, first and foremost, get that out of the way. Well, Thank all the you best. So much. You've done so much already and uh, you can be really proud of uh, of what you're doing with your life. So congrats to you. Thank you, Josh. I really appreciate it. 
The Inspirational Australians podcast is brought to you by Awards Australia. We recognise, celebrate and share the stories of Inspirational Australians through our awards programs across the country. To find out more, to nominate an Inspirational Australian in your life or to partner with our awards, visit awardsaustralia.com. If you enjoyed today's story, we'd love it if you could subscribe, rate and review to make sure you don't miss an episode and to help our guests reach more people with their inspirational stories.